0: Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA podcast episode 282. Thank you guys so much for joining. Hope you guys are doing well. So let's just get into it. Let's get going. DJ who says, hey Phil, uh, I have a SE with corrosion on my P90 pole pieces. So he's talking about the P90 pickup whole pieces uh there's corrosion so in other words like rust or oxidation or uh what have you any suggestions for for removal or is it just uh is it just i don't know what that is (laughs) i'm not trying to censor it i don't know what it is like it's not a bad word um i say it's just screwed how about that um the answer is I don't know what pole pieces because I don't know what kind of pickup. you said it's the SCPSC I don't know what they use so sometimes they can use like a, uh, a nickel plated kind of uh, satin finish and that's easier to clean. you can do that. Um, here's what I would do and of course if they're Chrome then it's different but either way, what I would do is you can remove them from the pickup. So first thing, Um, use a screwdriver and raise them so you're above the the plastic bobbin the black or tan plastic bobbin go ahead and use like i use micro mesh you can use that and just polish it you can polish it with um a microfiber cloth and some uh some compound cleaner some kind of compound that you like uh brasso i use like i said a lot of the music nomad products work really great for that uh for doing that they have a a, uh a tube. I forgot what it's called. (laughs) But there's a tube of cleaner that that uh, Music Nomad uses that I absolutely love. Like I said, I I swear by the Music Nomad cleaning supplies. I bought every single every single cleaning supply I've ever gotten from them. And I use I buy the uh, the bulk ones, the huge ones. So I mean, I'm just telling you that's It's just just like my string swing hangers. It's just something I use. And I don't have a whole lot of desire to try anything else because I'm really happy with the results. However, that all being said, don't worry. Uh, you can take them fully out. Don't worry about unscrewing the, the pole pieces out of the entire pickup, by the way, um, all six of them. And uh, and our, I shouldn't say pole pieces or screws. Keep in mind, they're essentially the same screws you're going to see in a, a humbucker pickup. But uh, since I saw your question early, I pulled this up so I can share with you. And I just want you to know that uh, this is StuMac. You don't have to go to StuMac, but as you can see, they're $1.19. Um, if you want you can find them anywhere else. You can just buy replacement pieces. See flathead screw right there. Unscrew it. Like I said, try to clean yours up. It's great. If not, don't worry about it. There are probably suggestions in the comments too of other cleaners and compounds you can use. But me, I would just use uh, me personally. Um, I would probably just use one of my micro mesh twelve thousand polish sheets and just polish on it a little bit. Uh, and because I'm reframing from it, I feel I feel a little guilty not telling you because um, I know it triggers some people in the internets, but I would use steel wool as well. But I'd like to point out that I wouldn't use steel wool on the pickup. I pull the, the screw out of the pickup, and then I wipe it with steel wool, and that usually cleans it up. Now, if it's chrome... If it's Chrome, then uh, it sometimes will work, but sometimes it doesn't because the Chrome will chip off. And in that case, uh, you can just buy new ones. And like I said, Stu- if Stumac sells them for a buck nineteen, trust me, you can find them on eBay for, like, nothing. <laughs> They'll pay you to ship them. Somebody – if it's a buck at Stumac, then it's, it's probably, like, somebody pays you $0.10 cents somewhere else because usually Stumac's on the high-end price point of everything. So um, that's pretty reasonable, especially if you have the uh, – if you partake, partake, partaken, partaken, partaken in the, uh, StuMax plan that we, uh, got you guys hooked up. I'd like to point out that a couple people put comments in the videos of the StuMax plan. That's where, you know, we negotiated you guys get 50% off that, uh, that their payday wasn't until this Friday and they missed out on it. And I feel really bad and I'd love to say that StuMax would extend it, but I didn't have any way of getting that done. However, what I will tell you, and the link is down here below here, it's on the videos, um, I actually took it off. I feel bad. I took the links off the videos yesterday because the the thing ended and they're still available. So I put them back and they're down below too. So if you missed out on the StuMax plan, if you want to try it, click that link. I'm not saying it works, but when I tested it, it was working for me. So if you can, you can still get the discount through them. Do it. (laughs) Like I said, in the comment down below, uh, do it and enjoy it with good health. If it doesn't work, I apologize, but, um, I don't know if they're, they, they, I' pretty sure because I they emailed me that they are aware that the campaign's over, but maybe they're just leaving it up to see how it goes, let it let it tap out for the rest of the week, so for the weekend. And uh, so to answer your question again is, hey, if you got that program, go ahead and get those for a dollar nineteen or find them cheaper, whichever works for you. But that's the fix: clean them or replace them. I do suggest you try to fix them, clean them. I don't like throwing stuff away; it's just my thing. If I can fix it, uh, that's always better than replace it. In my opinion, not for the saving money thing. That's good. I like to save money, but it's more of a, man, I hate throwing stuff in the trash. It just bugs me. All right. Mr. Austin Music says, hey, Phil, I hope you're having a good week. I am having a good week. He says, Hurricane Ian put uh, Ian, Ian, I I haven't watched the news. I know there's a hurricane. (laughs) So for the record, that's all I know. I am fortunate enough uh, to live in a state, which is Arizona, where the only thing happens is it gets hot And then it doesn't get hot. And then every once in a while, it blows dirt around. And that's the full extent. We don't have tornadoes, hurricanes. You can say we have uh, monsoons. But where I live, those are – they're not really – that's not a real thing. Like they, it rains like a little. So so stuff like that. And I don't have any family in Florida. I have some friends. But um, everybody I know said they were okay. So anyways, he's talking about the hurricane in Florida. He said um, put a – he put a tree through his roof – and therefore, my humidity levels are really high. Any suggestions to dehumidify uh, uh, basically his guitars? Um, I am, of course, I live in the exact opposite situation as you. Do, so I'm always trying to put humidity into something. Um, my understanding of, because I have humidifiers, they are also dehumidifiers, right? You can just switch them over. I don't know if that would be enough, but it seems like it would work. But reason why I wanted to read that question is sometimes I can't answer a question. In this case, I can't because I'm not... I don't, I don't have immunity. It's not something I have to deal with, but I know a lot of you, uh, have great suggestions and you might be dealing with that stuff. So if you guys could just kind of throw out some comments out there that are helpful, I'm sure maybe he'll catch an idea or two. And especially since it's a, it's a tragic thing like this. Um, uh, I just wanted to, uh, do that shout out the, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just reading. I just want to see if there was more. Uh, and then that also brought me to Jose Soto. Jose Soto is like, he's a longtime viewer. He's, uh, he's a he's really nice guy. He sent me, like I said one time, I mentioned this before. He sent me this really nice handwritten personal letter that was really nice and a card. And uh, Jose said that uh, he wanted me to know, and I think all of us to know, that is that his family and him made it through the hurricane in Tampa. And uh, he says uh, thanks for all the prayers. Uh, and uh, florida needs it so yeah like i said my heart goes out i hate stuff like this obviously we hate hearing about stuff like this but um but like i said um it's one of the few things that uh that in (laughs) it pamela says arizona floods too not where i live arizona does all kinds of things because remember arizona is not just one thing arizona is a very diverse in its um I mean, remember, part of the state is got snow, right? Where I live, there's there's no snow. There's no rain. Uh, it, it rains very rarely here. I'm in like the Phoenix area. It's just not a very – flooding is more of a north of me thing, even Phoenix. So um, I've lived here since – I've lived in the state uh, since I was basically 10 years old. And I'm going to tell you right now, I can count all the floods on my, on my my on my two hands that I've, that I've been involved in. So like I said, I'm not saying it ha- doesn't happen, just saying where I live just particularly doesn't, doesn't happen very often and nothing else really happens. So, um, okay, let's see. Um, let's get, go to the next one. Yeah. And a lot of you guys are talking about Arizona has had tr- tornadoes. I know this gets off, off topic, but yeah, Arizona's had stuff, but I'm telling you, like I said, nothing, Nothing to speak of. The events are very minor. or and if they do happen, it's very rare. It's not very often. Like I said, here, heat is your thing. It's just hot. Uh, Next next subject. This one came from Christian who says, Hey, Phil, what's my next... He means mine. What's your next Framus going to be? Framus guitar. Um, uh, Greetings from Berlin. Uh, I built a Framus. Okay. I am I don't mean like I had them build a Framus. I mean, I went to their factory uh, and built it um, and it never got finished. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure why. What happened was it was a video idea where me and another YouTube channel um, went there and we built two identical guitars um, and his had Humbucker Humbucker and mine had Humbucker Single Single and I think his was like Alder with a maple neck and mine was mahogany with a maple cap and and a, ma- and a mahogany neck and um, I think his was b- bolt on and mine was set neck or maybe it was vice versa I can't remember the combination, basically we had two identical guitars made from a Framus model and then his was spec'd out I think like a Strat and mine was specked out, like Strat Specs, like, and mine was uh, spec'd out like Humba, uh, Gibson Les Paul and I can't remember, maybe it was backwards. And uh, the idea was to do these two videos and then discuss, you know, like the differences between the two guitars and of course show you all the footage. I have all the footage of me, you know, like putting the frets in the neck and doing stuff and sanding on it and stuff. And uh, his got finished and sent to him and mine never got finished. And I reached out to them a couple times about it and either got no response or uh, just a, you know, like check back kind of thing. It's been... Three years. <laughs> it was, two th- I can tell you right now, it was December-ish of 2019. So that'll give you a reference. So what is that? 2020, 21, 22. Coming up on twenty two. So 2020, 21. Yeah, so it's coming up on three years. So I'm thinking the guitar is never going to get made. So obviously I'm never going to – I'm not never like I'm never going to do it, but I'm not going to buy a Framus until they finish this. And that one, by the way, I, we had to buy those. They weren't like gifting us those uh, guitars. They were selling them to us at a artist pricing, which is just just below – just it's below dealer cost, obviously, because we're going to be using them for promotion as well. But – you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty heavy investment of my time and <laughs> a pretty heavy investment, uh, uh, of, you know, everything. And then of course, you know, it's even at an artist pricing, you know, those guitars are expensive. So it's not like it's cheap by any means what I have to pay for the guitar was done. I would gladly pay and have the guitar done. And, um, I know the guitar is not going to show up one day because the, what's waiting to be done with it is it's waiting to be painted. And, uh, and, uh, I never chose a color. In fact, I got to a point where I said, hey, why don't you just pick the color? Whatever, we'll get it fixed fast or finished faster for you guys. So they never finished the guitar. And some of that is because of COVID and some of that's probably just because they just lost interest in the concept of maybe doing that video. I'm not really sure what happened. Um, That's part of this. You know, as you know, we hang out these Fridays. You guys hear a lot of these stories. There's a lot of that stuff. I've told you guys right now. Or maybe it's like I said, I have a custom shop curse. And uh, I feel like, a lot of custom shops never come to fruition <laughs> to the point where I can tell you right now uh, if any builders are watching this, I don't even answer uh builder requests anymore uh, at all. In fact, I delete you as soon as I see it. I don't, and I mean no disrespect to any other builders, but as soon as a builder reaches out to me and says, Hey, we have a great idea for a builder series or an idea or doing a guitar. I just literally delete the email just because it's, it's always a lot of time F uh, into, into doing those videos, and I'm not even sure how much interest you guys have as a viewership to see somebody have an expensive guitar built out. But i I feel like the only thing I can tell you from learning that is I personally wouldn't have a custom guitar made now. Mo- not likely. Not likely. We'll see. Okay. Um Neuroapathy says why do you think Joe didn't want to disclose how he paints his guitars. So what uh neuro, neuro I hope I'm saying that right neuroapathy is talking about is uh, if you go to the Film Ignite 2 channel I put a link down below. I did an interview with Joe Nags and Peter Wolf of Nags Guitars. As you guys know, I bought a Nags. This is my second one. I bought used. I bought this used, and uh, I really love this guitar. <laughs> it's you know, and I'm I'm past maybe I'm barely past the honeymoon stage. Honeymoon stage, and it's definitely it's it's speaking to me. So I was so excited about it. Um, I reached out to peter wolf who's one half of the nags company joe nags and peter wolf and asked them if they would be part of my series of doing these interviews on my second channel and um and uh they were apprehensive they weren't sure what i was talking about and and to to the to their credit you know i you know because i told them what i was interested in and they were willing to do it so they came on the, the video or did the channel we did the video and uh You guys, uh, those of you who have seen it know it's a really good interview um, uh, because um, they're very candid. (laughs) I know it's a good interview. One of my fear is that there might be backlash from things they say or do in the video because they say things that are – let me put it this way. They have opinions and I don't think they held back on them. And if you agree with their opinions or disagree, I don't, I don't know if that matters. What matters is, is they weren't sitting there just telling you stuff. You know, they weren't trying to sell their guitars. They were trying to tell you their story, which I really, really appreciate. Um, and, uh, anyways, uh, What the question was, was I asked them how they do like tops like this, how they whoops, I'm pointing at it right now. I'm kind of pointing at it. It's right there. Uh, How do they do the double painted tops? You know, obviously, I know a lot of you're like, well, they tape it off. But I don't know if you can tell when you will see when I do the review of this guitar. There's a binding in between those two colors. There's binding in between those two colors. And then on top of that, they do wood stained ones. And again, they're bound and it's very tricky. And I've been to, uh, now after this weekend just passed, I've now been to 35 factories around the world that build guitars. And, um, and uh, I've never seen anybody do that before them, for sure. And I've seen some people do it since, but uh, the level in which they do it is uh, awesome. So I asked them how he got the idea. Now, the question is framed that I'm being asked right now is why didn't I ask him or why didn't he want to say how he did it? Well, I think it's because he he doesn't want to give away his trade secret. But uh, I didn't press him on why how he does it because all I really wanted to know in that interview, this is his backstory for those who've seen it or may see it later, is I want to know where he got the idea. I find that question is very powerful because it puts somebody in a position to either lie to you. in other words, like, how did you, where did you get the idea to do this? They're going to have to tell you, like, I saw somebody else do it and I copied them. (laughs) Right. Or, or (laughs) they're going to say, uh, I don't know. And then that tells you a lot too. Like, how do you not know where you got the idea for such a cool thing? And, um, and, uh, he told the idea where he came up with it and how he decided how he was going to execute on it. And that's all that really mattered to me was, I was curious if he was going to say like, I once saw a Luthier at, you know, at, at some music conference and, you know, cause there's a lot of times that's what happens. A company sees a small Luthier do something really cool and then they go, okay, I'm going to do that. So I was just really curious about that. I don't really care how he does it because, uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to want to do it. It's a lot of hard work. That's why their guitars are expensive. That's. It's a lot of work. You can't just grab somebody off the street and uh, say, "Hey, start doing this." So, all right, okay. Uh, um, Brian S. Guitar says, "Is it binding or purfling? Brian, I'm going to make you nuts right now. Ready? Yes. In some cases, yes. To both. Depending on it, what it is. If you're looking at them, if you go online and look at Nags guitars, you'll see sometimes it's binding and sometimes it's purfling. That's why I'm curious about it because it's there's they're doing it multiply different. There's different ways they're executing on what looks like the same look on different guitars. Very interesting. So there you go. Um, let's see. Okay, hold on. We'll be right back. Ever wonder how your favorite entertainers and athletes made it from childhood to the spotlight? Join me, Nashville-based entertainment reporter Jennifer Vickery Smith, as I chat with moms of entertainers and entertaining moms on my hit podcast Got It From My Mama. You'll hear delightful conversations with moms of everyone from The Jonas Brothers, Luke Bryan, Kelsey Ballerini, Steph Curry, Travis Kelsey, and so many more, sharing the journey from a perspective only a mama can share. New episodes weekly as we share the best conversations of family, faith, and fame on the Got It From My Mama podcast. John says, oh, John, I love you. I love you for saying this. Pretty obvious how Nag does it. John. John. $2,000 right now if you do it. (laughs) Not show me how. I know how he's doing it, too. I know how they're doing it. I even have footage of how they're doing it. That's not the problem. How are they not messing it up? (laughs) I mean, it's a tape line. It's a tape line very easy, especially on, on, on paint. But on stain, it's a little tricky. They have a little trick to execute it that tight. Those are tight, tight tolerances. You have to see these up close to see what we're talking about. This is crazy. And I know the answer, by the way. I know how they're doing it. Because um, I have footage of it. <laughs> but after you see the footage and you see how they did it, you go, yeah, you could do it. But you're going to have to do it a bunch of times before you can get it right, get it at clean. That's why no one wants to do it. It's a mess. Because what... Uh, What you're missing is Knowing how to do it doesn't matter Here's what really matters It's very expensive To get that far into the part of a guitar And mess it up and have to start again It's it's a really horrible process Because remember you have people stacked up and, And waiting for guitars the high-end guitar market. If you notice, I if you notice, I, te- I I tend to go with like my at the whim of what I'm interested in at the moment. So, for instance, sometimes I'm just interested in inexpensive guitars, and we talk about that on the channel. There's lots of those videos, and I do them. And then sometimes all of a sudden I'm on on this kick where I'm always looking at expensive guitars, and I always love it because people always go, "Oh man, enough with expensive guitars!" or "Oh man, enough with inexpensive guitars." But the reality is, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with just. I, I'm really interested in how somebody makes a guitar inexpensively and does it well. I think that's a really interesting, uh, a really amazing thing that they do. And then, and then I'm interested in how they make a high-end guitar because high-end guitars have a place besides just being expensive and for people who can afford them. You understand that ideas tend to come from top to bottom. And what I mean by that is especially like paint jobs and things like that, you know, you don't see, like, you have to understand when you get a car, like a production car, and it has a cool color on it, and you're like, wow, well, that's a cool color they did this year. Most of the time, somebody from that manufacturer saw at a car show a custom builder do a cool color, and then they kind of get the that idea. That's how the ideas flow. Usually it flows from, like, like I said, top to bottom. Uh, companies like Nags, companies like Parker that I've talked about, um, companies like, uh, you know, I don't know, name a ton of them, Paul Reed Smith, they tend to um, do something that is cool, because they can, because it's expensive guitar and there's no expense blockade. In other words, they can do whatever they want. And then inexpensive guitars copy it. For instance, for instance, look how many now affordable guitars have beautiful, veneer tops. And they have those because, again, they get inspired by the looks of the expensive guitars and they emulate those. And next thing you know, you have a guitar that's affordable, that looks great. And you know this is the true because anyone who's been in this guitar industry for a long enough time, keep in mind the industry is not that old as a whole, right? Um, you You understand that inexpensive guitars used to look very inexpensive. They used to look that way. And that isn't The most important thing, but it is kind of important because this is a feel thing, which means how you feel, you know, you have to be, it's an emotional response to something. Um, you know, otherwise just put strings on a two by four and call it a day. That's fine. But sometimes there's a artistic uh, thing to this and you need artists to do this stuff. And then of course the mass produced manufacturers will come at it and kind of copy it and make it affordable. And as someone who's been around this industry and looking at stuff, um, it's really cool to see how that goes. It's very rare do I see an inexpensive mass-produced company do something that the high-end companies take notice of and start emulating. It always works the other way around. So let's see. All right. Hold on. Just reading some of the stuff to see if there's any David says, I love it with, David, no offense, I'm going to call you a little bit. I love it when people say, so what you're saying, I always, uh, I just got to tell you what I always say. Whenever someone says, so what you're saying is, that's usually never what they're saying. <laughs> so he says, so what you're saying is, there aren't a ton of original ideas in this industry. That's absolutely the opposite of what I'm saying. But that's what you're rephrasing it as. What I'm telling you is, is that... Um, The ideas usually start and come from a point of not worrying about what something will cost. When you get to sit down, imagine if I told you you had a million dollars to develop a new guitar. Not to redesign the guitar from, from scratch, just come up with an idea of a guitar, the colors, the way it's going to be, you know, the look, the design, the type of pickups. You know, the it seems silly, but you would literally just do whatever your heart desires. Now imagine you're in the same room and I come in and I say, okay, I want you to design a guitar, I want you to come up with a guitar, but I need this guitar to sell for and you're gonna start making a lot more different decisions, not only the quality components, but just by design. Like I said, it's design. When you worry about the price of a guitar to the point and this manufacturers do, as we know, even Paul Reed Smith, and I just using them as a reference because he's the most vocal about it. Um, when you worry about the price of guitars to the point where you worry about how long the CNC machine runs, that tells you a lot. When they're like, "Hey, if we do this, the machine runs for two hours. If we do this, it runs for an hour." Therefore, we go to a you know a lower uh, lower I don't want to say lower quality design, but for the lack of a better uh, way of saying a lower quality design. So uh, again. There's a reason I will tell you that for those of you who are like, I would never buy a $3,000 guitar. I totally understand that. Totally, I I actually understand on probably more levels than any other statement out there. However, what I will tell you is the, I believe this. This is my opinion. Your ability to not have to pay $3,000 is because $3,000 guitars exist, not the other way around. In other words, people can make guitars affordable because they can emulate guitars that are not affordable. And that's how, that's what they do. And that's what motivates them. Um, it's they, the desire. That's why a lot of manufacturers use that same strategy of making these high-end, you know, custom crazy creations <laughs> that get us like talking about that. Cause we talk about it and then they make a sub price and a sub price and a sub price. And at some point you find the price that makes you, you know, comfortable. I think it's, I like the word comfortable more than, you know, just what you can afford. A lot of people can afford more than they spend. They just don't feel comfortable spending more, even if they can afford it. And, um, and, uh, I think like I said, what you see is you see exactly that. Sometimes it's like, I always wanted, think about this. There's people who, who uh, using Fender as example, people who grew up wanting a certain type of Fender, they couldn't afford a Fender, so they bought all these weird brands that were copies of Fenders that didn't look quite right, and they never felt really like they had the right thing. And now, in today's age, you can buy exactly what you want that looks exactly like the thing you want, but you don't have to pay the price you don't wanna pay. You can pay whatever price you want. That's why the one thing I've really never connected with on the audience as a whole, so you know, is the complaining of price point in the idea that it's like somehow you're being wronged when I don't understand when there's every price point available. As I point out to oh my any friend that would ask me, it's like, hey, what's a good guitar for this price point? And I'm like, you can have anything you want for every price point. I can absolutely show you. In fact, if that's a video series you'd be interested in, I've done the ones about 500. I would love to do a video where I just literally, you pick a price point, every price point, and I will show you, you can find a quality thing in that price point. I honestly believe if you gave me 100, it has to be $108 because taxes. If you gave me $108, I believe I could find you a decent guitar uh, at a local store today without even trying. I'm not saying it'll be a great guitar, but it will be decent. And, uh, that's pretty darn cheap, man. I don't know how you're going to beat that. That's a tank of gas at this point, at this point. So, um, <laughs> sorry, Kevin's like, thank God for the J.C. Penny catalog, uh, for Harmony Guitars. Oh, I wouldn't say that, but I, I understand where you're coming from. Um... Yeah. BC rich five in one says some great, some good ideas never get accepted widely. Stereo sound, headless guitars. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. See, that's why I said sometimes, you know, you need those higher end builders to kind of get that ball rolling. And then like I said, the, the best is, um, you know, the best part is then the emulations happen. And as they get emulated, there's good stuff. Okay. Next, next subject or question that I thought was interesting was happy Friday. This is from Bernard. I'd imagine the PRS Pedals... Oh, I knew I was going to talk about pedals. The PRS Pedals are really good. As are Fenders and a gazillion other brands. <laughs> I love that you use gazillion. I love making up words like batillion, <laughs> bedillion. Gazillion, I like that word, by the way. Gazillions, like Godzilla, billion, got a gazillion other brands. To that point, I'm kind of fatigued. Sure, of course, that's uh think of this. That's ninety percent of my job on YouTube. That's all these YouTube channels exist. As I've said, we don't exist because there's not good gear. We exist because there's too much good gear. There are so many guitar pedals that are good. There are so many guitars that are good. There are so many amps that are good. To the point where you ha- you can go nuts. Just you know, you're like, it's not like, it's not like one day you're like, okay, there's three good things and 30 bad things. There is now 3000 good things and like 30 bad things. You almost, you almost, you have to try really hard to find crappy gear now. (laughs) Current being guilt. I mean, it's, it's possible, but it's, it's not very likely. And if you do find really crappy gear, it's probably priced at a point that you probably should have seen it coming a little bit. But my point is. Uh, so I understand the oversaturation. I understand. I agree with you. That's why a lot of us started making channels about the stuff we liked to center people to say, hey, look, like you guys, I'm like, man, there's a lot of stuff. You can't try it all. So maybe somebody could try it all and at least get you ballparked into an area. That being said, uh, the part of his question that's interesting is is uh, he's worried about the market oversaturation. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, look, the the PRS uh, pedal thing, as far as I understand from my memory, and I've told you guys this before, I remember, and I've told this story on the podcast before, I remember the first time I tried the Tremonti amp, the MT, which at the time, I'm 90% sure to this day, it was called the MT-50. It was the same amp, but it was 50 watts. I'm pretty sure that's how I remember it, but I could have misheard what they said, and they should have said 15, but I would have swore it was an MT-50 head. Um, and I remember them passingly saying, Hey, would you like to review it and do a v- video of it? And I was like, yes. And I was at the NAM show and I was like, okay, very excited. And then it wasn't like two, it was two or three years later that it came out. Um, I, I did a video with Doug Sewell from PRS where I reviewed an amp that now at the time that I wasn't allowed to tell you about, I still can't tell you about where I reviewed this amp. There was two of them, two prototypes. He showed them to us. We went through them. Uh, they haven't built them yet. This is from 2018 okay so in 2018 i played a prs amp that doug sewell showed me doug sewell the designer there showed me it doesn't exist at this point but with these pedals coming out would totally makes sense <laughs> that's about the most i can say and uh, and for the record i'm not an nda on that they didn't tell me not to tell anybody i just as a courtesy to doug i i told him i wouldn't tell anybody but uh That being said, uh, the pedals, I'm pretty sure the way I remember the emails was like two, three years ago, two years ago, I think I got the email saying we're doing pedals. Like, oh, cool. And then it was like two years later and they're like, okay, we got pedals. And that's why I said, that's why I thought I was actually getting punked because, you know, they told me about it and then it never happened. And then they told me about it again. And then when they showed up and I saw the names, I was like, what the hell's going on here? Is this a joke? Is this like they're messing with me? And you gotta understand, the PRS guys are one of the few guys uh, that I do videos of that take it so well when I whenever I talk about whatever I talk about you know like the new Archon the new fifty watt Archon I love that amp I have one it's a great amp in my review I say mine had a blim it was humming it had issues <laughs> it happens I actually bought one and I like it that being said uh, they didn't get upset they sent me something else the next time they sent me it's like it's like they they do exactly what you hope they do they don't take anything personal and, uh, they move on. So I always liked that about them. But when the pedal showed up, I was slightly for a little bit thinking, are they messing with me? Like, is this good? Like, let's see what he says, especially cause so, you know, they were very clear that I couldn't release the video until a certain time. So I was like, okay, okay. Um, so, uh, so that was a little different. Um, that, that all being said, the pedals being made by Gibson, the pedals being my my Fender, the pedals by PRS. Look, everybody's gonna make pedals. Remember Buddha pedals? Remember uh, PB did pedals? Carvin did pedals? Everyone's done pedals. Why? Because we buy pedals like crazy people. And, And all I can tell you again is, I hope to always impart some piece of information you guys don't have, being that I'm on this side of the fence, so to speak. What I can tell you is this. I did a video about PRS pedals yesterday. Um, I was as honest and as forthcoming as I could be about what I thought of those pedals, what I liked, what I disliked, okay? That being said, there was links down below, like I st- disclosed in all my videos. If you click those links, it's an affiliate link, which means if you buy from Reverb or Sweetwater or you know, a ton of other places, if you buy that, they, they give me a little something, like a lot of the channels to give you a little kickback. Okay, that's not what's important. What's important is I get to see the activity they sold a crap ton of pedals on my channel yesterday. The, um, so, you know, uh, the horse meat pedal sold at least four to five to one to the other two pedals. Now I'm not really shocked about that so much with the flanger cause it's 350 bucks, but the, I didn't think I was going to sell but one. <laughs> I, I was like, this is going to be weird. People are gonna say it's weird because it's weird, which is why I said it was weird in the video. Doesn't matter if it sounds good; it's weird. Um, Where I, like I said, I flat out said in the video I thought this was maybe a, a, a marketing move for social media because it gets all the people talking about social media. We'll get every channel talking about it, right? And think of this: if PRS didn't send me the pedals, we would be talking about this Friday like we normally do. Like, hey Phil, did you see the horse meat pedal? And I'd be like horse meat, and then that would be a thing we talk about. And I was like, okay, so it's all about a click thing. That being said, uh, I'm just telling you guys this. Please don't run out and buy them <laughs> from this. But my prediction is horse meat pedals are going to get flipped. In other words, I don't. I think they're going to sell way more than they have. Just looking at the numbers already, it did exactly whatever it is. Whatever you want to say about it, I'm not dis, dis, uh, disagreeing with you. What I'm telling you is is what my initial thought is right. They probably picked a crazy name. Uh, I saw afterwards when after I did my video, I watched. Uh, Paul Reed Smith video when it released and I saw his reasoning for naming the pedal that way. And I'm like, and I will tell you this, uh, 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 on a side note, I've interviewed him three or four times. I've met him two or three other times. Okay. Uh, uh, Paul Reed Smith, what I would tell you from those interactions is horse meat calling a pedal horse meat seems more like his personality than I've ever seen before. <laughs> like I absolutely believe that would be his idea. It might not be, but I would have no stretch of the imagination going, he came up with that. He has the weirdest sense of humor to the point where half the time, and I've had this, um, I've had this uh, conversation with people at PRS Guitars, half the time, I can't tell if he's, like, if he's joking or if he's being, like, he's got an odd sense of humor, okay? So, yeah, I would say that lines up with his humor for what I've seen and what I've heard. Uh, it's a little strange humor and again, uh, that's the only way I can say that. So that being said, uh, we're talking about horse meat and pedals and uh, they sold a lot and yep, <laughs> it was exactly that. All right, um, so Oh, uh, Lunamatic, thank you man, great question. Uh, Lunamatic says, did I learn something new from watching his uh, pedals? Hmm, well I didn't know why it was called horse meat. Uh, I gave my best guess in my video. I assumed it had something to do with Klon, uh, and um, you know I wasn't sure. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I was trying to think of like I seriously at first when I read the name, you know, when it showed up and I read the name, I thought is like cat food. Cause I'm thinking like horse meat, isn't horse meat. Like, isn't the joke horse meat. Like there's all kinds of jokes about horse meat. Let's be clear. But the PG 13 joke about horse meat would be, isn't it in cat food and dog food? And I was like, I, maybe it's a cat food reference. And I'm like, then like, I was like cat, like rat pedal. I was like trying to figure this all out. And then finally uh, playing the pedal. I was like, okay, this is very Klon esque in the mids, you know, kind of vibe. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, Klon horse meat. That was kind of thing. And then I, I got that far with it. And then when I watched his video and he said, Oh, it's a Klon killer. See, that's totally his sense of humor. That's like when he said that, I was like, yeah, that'd be like the jokes I've had to make when doing videos. By the way, if you ever watch my first interview with him ever, I asked him about pedals and he said, you'd never do them. <laughs> that's another reason why I was a little nervous that the pedals might not be, they just seemed a little elaborate and good to be like a joke just on me. But I was like, maybe they're punking all the YouTubers. You know, it's funny. I'll tell you this funny story. If you haven't seen it, it's a great thing. Uh, I'll link it when I talk about it. Uh, You know, Payless Shoes, Now, I think they're gone out of business now, but Payless uh, Shoes did a, um, they did a, uh, uh, they punked, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagrammers or whatever you call it, TikTokers, whatever you call this influencers. They did this. Did you guys see that? That they did a Payless did a thing where they made a fake shoe store and invited a bunch of influencers to the shoe store and then showed them Payless shoes, but told them they were exotic, like $600 shoes and all the influencers were like, these are the best shoes I've ever seen. Wow. This is, and it was like hilarious, right? They were like punking them. Um, I literally was like, oh my God, I never thought about this. If somebody sends me a fake product, like I was like going through it. And then if you notice my face in the video, at some point, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to assess them on their merit. And that's what I did. And I was like, okay, we'll see. And if I'm wrong, like I'm wrong, but I'm like, these are good they're good pedals like i i got that far with it i was like okay they're good so if they are fake pedals and housings or something they're good pedals they're not cheap ones so uh are crappy ones i shouldn't say cheap ones cuz cheap pedals can be good pedals too um so there you go that was the whole experience doing the pedals thing um uh <laughs> so, so you know um i sent all my friends a a, a joke i sent them a t-shirt and it says uh, i i survived doing the horse meat pedal review. Cause I was like, Oh good. By the way, also a side note too. I should also, cause again, the show is about just kind of giving you a back, uh, backstory. Um, I considered saying no three or four times to PRS after I got the pedals. I I sent, uh, the, uh, I, I started to type up the email, like, I'm sorry, I just can't do a video of horse meat. This is just too weird. It's just out of my comfort zone. It's just too strange. And, uh, And then I thought about it and thought about it and then I thought, you know what, let's just do it. I don't know. Let's just do it and then be as honest as I can be about whatever the hell I'm hearing and seeing. So that's the answer. But the end of all that talk about horse meat is this. They're selling. So regardless of what you guys say, I'm not saying that means they're good. Uh, I like the one I demoed, but I'm going to say... They did what they were supposed to do, man. They're killing with those things. I, I saw those links. It was like watch. It was like a regurgitation of the Silver Sky. Everybody said this is stupid, and then you literally sold out. Uh, speaking of Ho- uh, Silver Sky, Jose Soto says, Hey, Phil, I have a Fender Professional 2, Strat. How does it compare to the Silver Sky SE? Uh, they're different animals. I mean, I, I look, I like the SE Silver Sky. That was a cool guitar I like to play and, and check out and do the demo of, and it was really... I liked it even more than the actual core Silver Sky for a lot of reasons, one being the neck uh, feel a little bit. And, of course, a couple of things. I like the beefier pickups. Um, but if you gave me a choice at the same price, of course, because that would have to be the only way to do this fair. If you told me, hey, I could have the Silver Sky SE or the Fender Professional 2, I'd pick the Fender Professional 2. Uh nine ten times out of ten here's why obviously first i, I you know just like a lot of players i'm going to gravitate toward anything made in the usa or you know made in uh, japan over made in indonesia even though i like that over made in china like that's the sort of pecking order of things um i like i like always saying it this way buying guitars that are made in the usa buying guitars uh, that are made in uh you know japan and stuff that's a luxury and if you can afford it you know uh, good for you right i mean it's it's it's, it's a luxury And, um, I'm aware of that because of the fact that I couldn't always do it. So it was just one day I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, I had a Mexican strat forever that I loved. And then finally the day I got to buy an American strat, I could, it's not because I thought it was better. It was just because it was like, I felt like something, you know, it felt like a, you know, more exotic purchase. So that being said, there's a little bit of that over the fact, but actually just so you know, I prefer the specs on the professional two fender over the silver sky. The, the only negative I've ever stated in any video, and I'll stick with now, which is with the Silver Skies, is that they're very, very, very choice. The, all the choices are John Mayer choices for John Mayer. And I obviously don't play, obviously, not only the same way as him, I don't do that. But I mean, I don't, obviously, we don't, in other words, if we were hanging out talking about guitars, he would have a different affection for certain guitars than I would, and so on, and so on. There's certain things I like about neck, necks and, and feel and stuff that obviously he has a different And he has a different, totally different style of playing guitar. I mean, besides the fact that he's just a crap ton better, he's—it's a different style. So, all right, Um, let's hold on a second. Let's. uh, Let's do Antique Rocker says PRS, Gibson, and Fender have all entered the pedal market. Oh, man. See? This is what PRS did this week. They're becoming a smarter and smarter marketing company, I can tell. I mean, there's no way. I, look, side note. <laughs> I reviewed the Lawrence Petros 74 Deluxe pedal. That was a fantastic pedal. It sold quite a few, uh, at least from what I can see from my affiliate links. Obviously, Lawrence is a friend of the channel. Obviously, he makes good stuff, or at least it's obvious to me if it's not obvious to you he makes great stuff there was no discussion really <laughs> that week of his products and i could say that too i think if you want to blame someone for uh paul ray smith guitars figuring out this maybe they shouldn't do what fender did and gibson did which just announce pedals maybe do this crazy thing um look there's some companies out there that have figured out that it's a little bit of you gotta get the hype machine going Get the you know, get it going out there crazy, so they did that, so obviously that's why we're talking about it on this show, <laughs> so hopefully this is the last question about this subject, but antique rocker says PRS, Gibson and Fender have all entered the pedal market. How will this affect the pedal market and small business pedal makers um uh, I'll tell you the same thing I told uh, a friend who owns a pedal company. Uh, when they were talking about, you know, the longevity of pedal companies and stuff. And here's what I will tell you, this antique rocker. I'm gonna say the same thing to you. Um, it doesn't do anything negative. Here's why. Um, people buy things for all kinds of reasons. And people who are going to buy PRS pedals buy them for a ton, a plethora of reasons. One, because it has a goofy name called Horse Meat, and they just want to tell their friends they got a Horse Meat pedal. Um, two, uh, their PRS, uh, you know, term, the internet term fanboys. Fine, I'm a fanboy of almost every brand. So you can throw the insults this way, please, because I could care less. Um, the uh, fanboys will buy them because they uh, they love the brand. You know, they they love the quality of the brand. They like the look of the brand. You know, and again, keep in mind, it's uh, you know, uh, I'm wearing vans tonight, right? I'm wearing a van shirt. I love vans, I wear van shoes, vans. Do I like the quality of vans? Yeah, of course. But it's also I just like the brand. I like the vibe uh for some reason. Actually I can, I know why I like the vibe. But anyways, um uh, look, my mouse pad's vibe, uh Vans. See? Look at that. So, um, so there is a little bit of that. It's just a brand and you know, the brand and you like it and you know, hell, if you're going to buy a PRS t-shirt, why not a PRS pedal? Why not a PRS strap? Why not a PRS whatever? And insert whatever brand doesn't get you triggered. (laughs) This PRS is a thing that you don't like hearing about pick, pick another brand that I just described. Um, so that's, that's going to happen, right? Um, they're going to pick that stuff just for that reason. They're also going to pick that stuff because like I said, um, maybe they plug into it and maybe he does have a different ear. let's, let's face it. These guys that have done stuff like Paul Reed Smith and, and, uh, Josh Scott and, uh, John Thompson from bad cat. I'm trying to think of Larry DiMaggio. I'm just thinking of people I know, uh, relatively know. And I can tell you that, that, you know, um, Floyd Rose, uh, you know, you know, I feel bad. Like I just want to keep naming names, but anyways, the point is, what's the point? The point is, is that these people do have more than just the ability to start a business and make a product. They have an ear. I've said this a million times, Dave Freeman, they have an ear. More than they have the ability to make something, they have a sense of when it's right to be made. In other words, when it sounds right. Paul Reed Smith, in my opinion, has an ear. I mean, he does find a a way to make something sound really good. Some people don't love his guitars, and some people do the fact that somebody doesn't like it does not prove that he doesn't have a good, <laughs> any talent, uh, to, to design something. Uh, he does. Cause obviously people connect with him and connect with what it sounds artists do. So you name it. So that being said, that's where the cash in of that is. Fender is definitely the same thing. Fender putting its brand on a pedal is no different than putting on a t-shirt or anything else. Just people are, are into Fender again, call them fanboys. Again, I could follow that. I'm a Fender fanboy as well. Um, and, uh, that all being said, there's a different thing of that. That once those companies, in my opinion, once those companies cash in, in other words, once they once they tap that market, they're not going to chase that market. There's there's a there's a problem with Pedals and Fender and Gibson. Let's just talk about Fender, Gibson, and PRS for a second, and Pedals and the problem with Pedals. Let me. We talked about the size of companies, and I've told you before that, like, let's say Gibson's like basically a billion dollar company, and Fender's a billion dollar company, are damn near close. Uh, and Paul Reed Smith, maybe if I was going to guess now, maybe they're going to do $90 million. Uh, maybe they do 70, $80 million. doesn't matter. It's definitely over 70 million. Let's just say that I can safe to say that PRS is definitely a over 70 million a year company for sure. Look at somebody of a pedal company that I think is extremely successful, As a pedal company, maybe GHS pedals, Keeley pedals. Again, I don't know their numbers. I'm going to throw a guess. I'm just throwing guesses, but I feel pretty confident these educated guesses. These are sub $20 million companies, okay? If they are over $20 million, it's barely. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, they're never going to hit the they're never going to hit 100 million dollars. Uh, well, I don't want to say never. You don't understand. They're not likely to hit 100 million dollars like a guitar company that's selling $4,000, $3,000 guitars and $700 guitars. Just think about the SEs alone, the PRS SE guitars. The amount of guitars that they could sell at $600 a pop versus a pedal at $200 a pop. It's just the market's not like that uh, for them. So what I mean by that as I sum up here, is that a lot of these guitar companies are going to make pedals because it's easy. They can make the pedals. They have the sources to do it. They have distribution because that's a big thing. A big thing about PRS is that he has all these dealers. And it's just one more thing they can sell. I mean, trust me, there's probably some PRS dealers watching this right now and they're going to be nodding when I say this. Like, PRS doesn't just call up their dealer network and say, hey, we're doing pedals. So if you want one, let us know. It's, we're doing pedals. We're releasing it on September 29th at 3 p.m., you, you can, you gonna order them now. You have to order this many of each one. It's a mandatory thing, right? Um, it was probably like, there was probably no way that a dealer in my, again, I actually, I'm not going to say in my opinion, I already know this to be true. I just know, cause I know the market. Um, there was no way the dealers were given a choice like, yeah, I don't think the horse meets my thing. Cause I have a, you know, a different client in my store. I think I'll just do the flanger. I'm sure it was like, you take all three and you can take X amount of each one. But either way, you're going to have the entire line of a three, which is why Fender does three, or not three. It's why Fender does a line of pedals, why Gibson does not line of pedals. Notice Josh Scott. Notice Keeley doesn't come up with an entire line of pedals, usually. I know Josh Scott did the uh, the series where they were all white. But uh, you're saying, usually they don't come out with a line of pedals because they're not going to force their dealers to go buy across that line. Paul R. Smith is like a bigger company. They have that ability. They also have a dealer network that goes, hey, I sell hundreds of thousands of dollars of PRS guitars, so what are the odds that... How many customers do you have to convert to buy this pedal? Not very many. I mean, how many people... I mean, people who throw down five grand on a guitar at a whim, you think they're really freaked out about a $250 pedal? They probably... I mean, I hate to say it, man. It looks like it's silly, which people do with their money, but we all do stupid stuff with our money. It's just different amounts. <laughs> okay? So... Um, uh, that all being said, that's kind of the reason they, they do this. Just like Fender and Gibson, they're just going to do it because they're going to tap into this market. But my my gut says that once they feel like they've tapped it, then they're done. You know, They might do a couple more pedals here and there. They might keep it as a line. All these brands, by the way, might keep the lines going for many years. But let's just say we've seen in the past, not with Powerwood Smith, but with Fender, definitely when Fender's done with a line of pedals, they're just done with it. They go to the next thing because it's not their main thing. Their main thing is their guitars, so that's what they'll they'll st- they'll keep on with. So uh, to answer your question, or to focus on your question, what what effect does it have on the smaller businesses, the pedal businesses? I, I mean, I, I personally don't think there's a whole lot of people who bought a horse meat today that was like, man, I was this close to buying a JHS, you know, I don't know, insert pedal here, and all of a sudden I found out about a PRS pedal and bought that. I think essentially it doesn't take a stretch of imagination. Well, I mean, you can't go, you can't go anywhere on YouTube and watch anybody with eight subscribers on a channel and not see rows of petals behind them. People are, you know, we're, there's a sickness and you all have it too. Cause you're all sitting here with me on a Friday. <laughs> you have a sickness, <laughs> but it's a good sickness, right? I don't know. Like I said, uh, so that's my take on that. And, uh, and I don't think the effect they'll have on the market. The whole, whole idea that the market is getting too big and overblown and too many things. Sure, of course. But the economies take care of that. Trust me, when everybody's not in the mood to like throw their government checks away that they're not getting any more, that changes things. Everything changes things, right? You start scrutinizing your purchases when the market gets a little, and I, and you don't even have to, and so, you know, you don't have to lose your job or anything. You just have to like, my neighbor down the street, lost his job. And this guy, I know who knows a guy who's not making as much as he wants. That's just enough to freak people out, slow down a little bit. That changes the market a little bit, all kinds of things can change the market. So, uh, I hope that kind of gives you some insight into my thoughts on that, or at least some thoughts on that. Then, uh, the next question was from gas addict who says, Phil, appreciate what you do. Likely won't be around for the live show. Uh, is it bad idea? to keep your humidifier too close to your amp heads, cabs and guitars getting colder in the PNW. Thanks. I don't know what PNW is. I apologize. That being said, uh, yeah, look, amplifiers, guitars don't like lots of anything. They don't like lots of dryness. They don't like lots of humidity. They don't like lots of heat. They don't like lots of cold. I mean, I like, like I said, amps... A little different than guitars, they take a lot more abuse than guitars. I like to think if I can live in an environment, they can live in that environment. It's a pretty good rule to follow. Um, so you know, <laughs> so I like that's my way of saying it. I wouldn't put a guitar in a garage if it was six below zero, and I wouldn't put a guitar in a garage if it was 120, because odds are. If you can't make it, the guitar is not going to be far behind you. I know you're talking about amps, not guitars, but I'm just saying in amps, maybe, maybe exaggerate that a little bit more for amps, but yeah, I'm, moisture is not good. I can tell you that, uh, I can tell you like cars, and as we've already discussed on this channel many times, I know nothing about cars, but I know some things, and here's something I know about amps, I do not like to buy amps from the East Coast. I don't like to buy a lot of stuff from the East Coast, but I don't like to buy amps from the East Coast unless they show pictures of the Transformers, because a lot of amps like cars from the East Coast, you get them and they're all rusted up. And like I said, one of the benefits of where I live is just like people drive all the time to come buy, uh, buy rust free bodies for cars here uh, in Arizona. Uh, cause rust is just not a thing that happens when it's dry. <laughs> it's really dry here. Um, same thing with amps. Uh, you know, I don't like opening up the back of an amp and finding that the transformers are all rusted and the parts are all components are corroded and stuff like that. Uh, moisture is not a friend to electronics. It's best, probably best way to say that. So would I put my humidifier next to my amp fires? No, I would not. Can I say it's going to do... I, damage for sure. I cannot, but I'm just saying like, you know, again, I always go with what I would do. I would not do that. Uh, somebody in the, this chat will always be from an area that's probably closer to you and probably have some more insight about exactly that environment, like I said. Um, but again, I always caution to say, this is what I would do in that situation. I would not. Huff Daddy 75 Hey, what's up, Huff Daddy? Haven't seen you in a while. Says, tuning in for the first time in a while yep there you go and uh to celebrate my birthday happy birthday huff Huff daddy huff daddy 75 when i think of huff daddy i want to say puff daddy but i also think of huffy like huffy bikes anyways it says i miss you guys uh well we missed you too those of us who know who huff daddy is the rest you, you didn't know you missed him but now you missed him and you definitely wish him a happy birthday clan of house cats says his 2016 gibson les paul standard seven no he just said 2016 gibson les paul standards not saying his seven string bad or great tool Um, i'm not a fan so on seven strings as you know i have the patrucci seven string behind me uh that you don't have to buy a seven string that's crazy price like the 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 patrucci that's just an insane amount of money for guitar however that being said I'm very particular when it comes to seven-string necks, as I feel that most seven-string necks are horrible. Uh, They're too thick, too chunky. Um, I have learned one thing that has done me well as a piece of advice for seven-string guitars, since they are super rare. And then at one point, if you remember, every company on the planet decided to make a seven-string that had no business doing it. It was like it's like <laughs> it just became this thing, like everyone's gonna do it. And so from that, I have played so many horrible seven strings, horrible, unplayable uh guitars, hand fatigues, you know, distress, where you just have to reshape the necks, just no thought put into the design the next because like we talked about earlier, a lot of designs, you know, people are just emulating copying them. So the seven strings, uh, the same thing. Um, so what I've learned with the magic with seven strings is uh, artist seven strings tends to be when, ironically, when you find a seven string that is endorsed by an artist, which means it's a copy of his personal guitar that he actually plays, they tend to play pretty good. The other seven strings, not all of them, but a lot of them that aren't like endorsed or sponsored by an artist, they just can't, tend to be made. And that Gibson seven string was one of those. I thought the neck was a little chunky, and um, it's not very pleasant. And for the price of that guitar, I think you can find a lot better seven string uh, single cut guitars on the market that will outplay it uh for sure the only appeal in my mind in fact you guys some of you guys have talked about the PRS pedals being a cash grab i would say if in the same likeness gibson doing a seven string was a cash grab um uh, literally uh, you know it's the they know there's a gibson fan they know there's a seven string fan and therefore somebody with money will be parted with it and then that was kind of like the thought probably put in that um I think if the company really cares, especially Gibson's level. And again, I kind of hate calling them out on something. I'm not hundred percent sure is this, this, cause I'm just giving you my perception of what they did. Um, which is, uh, you would think they would reach out to some artists and, and have somebody help co-design the guitar and put it into practice and play it for a little while and see, because like I said, if you guys, I'm a seven string fan, I like them, but, uh, those necks if they're chunky and wide they literally are hor- horrible <laughs> you will get you will get all kinds of issues with your your wrist hand and forearm uh it's just a lot of work to to play a thing it's like it's just a lot of work so um there you go so that's my that's my take on that um collecting value i would say it's a, a good investment because it's a 7-string Gibson and i would imagine they'll very rarely do that again, whatever. I remember when they did it in 2016, again, cashing in on that. I don't know how many times they've come and come back to it because again, it's a very small market of people. I mean, if <laughs> seven string market is not a huge market to begin with, I mean, it's not small by any means, but I would imagine, think about this, there's more bass players than seven string players. So that gives you a reference of scale. There's probably, probably more left handed guitar players than seven string players. Again, reference of scale. When you hear guitar companies talk about how hard it is to make a left handed guitar for some damn reason. Uh, you know, it's uh, but apparently, you know, you can make a seven string. Um, that all being said, the, if that's a narrow market of seven string players, then imagine the skips and seven string players is an even smaller market. Vimps69 says, it was awesome seeing that influx of videos this week. Thanks for the great stuff. So Vimps69, since you're kind enough to do a super chat and, and, and make that assessment. Um, I feel good now because I've been talking to you guys. I feel like I feel like, it's not like I've been lying to you guys. I've just been holding all this stuff back that I wasn't allowed to tell you guys. Um, and I don't mean like tell you like I had cut deals with companies and I wasn't allowed to tell you what they were doing or what I was doing with them. That's has nothing to do with all background stuff behind my channel. There was so much stuff happening in the last three months, right, June, July, and August, those months in particular, I have done more work, <laughs> no exaggeration. I've done more work in June, July, and August than I think I've ever done in my entire life. And none of the fruits of that labor was, was, I was able to show you guys in any way. So every Friday on the show, I'd be like, man, it was a crazy week. And I'd like have a video come out, maybe two video guys. And i be like, I bet you they're like, what's, what's he talking about? So you guys know at the same time, I'm, I'm actually, I pulled the trigger on like a dozen things. Uh, that's exaggerating. Six things. And of course, one of that is now you're going to see a lot of videos. You're seeing them now. They're starting to ramp up. Um, the process in which I made the, make the videos, I've been refining to a different way so I can keep the my motivations. Because uh, again, to me, the most important thing for the video for me is my attitude in the video. That's more important than everything else. I, I kind of complain sometimes about editing time and cameras and all this stuff. But the reality is it's me. I got to be in the mood. Uh, so that I've refined how I, how I can keep my mood the way I want it fresh and excited and be excited about stuff. Also the second channel, this has been something I've been talking about for a while that I wanted to happen. And, And of course I had to discover how to execute on that. And then I did, and I'm very happy with that. And then not in October, but in November, a, Massive announcement will be coming uh, to the channel, and uh, man, talk about that! I feel like every YouTuber always says that at some point, right? There's a massive, massive announcement coming. Um, This will be massive. (laughs) So I promise not to overhype anything for you guys. That uh, whatever I say in November, when I and I won't have to tell you what it is. I promise. When I make the announcement, you'll be like. Holy crap, that's crazy, uh, in a good way. All very positive stuff. Nothing like the channel's changing, nothing like that. Always, like I said, always more. Um, always giving more on the channel, never taking away is the goal. So it's never about saying, okay, I'm gonna stop doing this and start doing this. Um, one thing that you guys will notice, starting in October, though, that's I'm very excited about is it, Sharpen My Axe will be back. It is back, uh, it is back for sure, because I have a sponsor for it. Uh, I actually have three sponsors for Sharpen My Axe. So it's back because I have signed contracts, uh, so to speak, to produce the content. This, uh, If you haven't figured out, one of the sk- uh, sponsors is Skillshare. Um, there's other sponsors. Most of them, all three of them are, re- are not guitar companies. They're not related in that way. So they're not asking me to show a product in the video. They're not asking me to, you know, hey, today's videos sponsored by Seymour Duncan. And I'm putting Seymour Duncan's in it. You know, it's not that it's just, all I have to do is the bump. In other words, at the beginning, go, Hey, this is a video sponsored by these guys. And there'll be a little time thing in there. And if you notice when I did it on the video I did last week with Skillshare, I timestamp everything. So if you want to skip it, you skip it. Right. That, that was part of my, uh, discussion with these companies is like, if my audience wants to skip it, they can skip it. Right. Um, but because they sponsor that, I can take those dollars and do Sharp Max videos. So they're coming. They're there. Uh, in fact, I can tell you that I can tell you how cool is this. I can tell you the exact day, October 15th, there will be a sharp max video because I'm contractually obligated to release it that day. <laughs> and then guess when the next one is November 15th, seeing a trend here. And so a lot of things that I've uh, been working on in the background of, of reaching out to companies, uh, that are not some, again, stop chasing, you Know, X brand guitars or X brown parts to sponsor a video and say, Hey, why don't I just get somebody who's just willing to sponsor a video? Right? And then I can take the funds from that sponsorship and do the video. That's the whole point. That's not the big announcement, by the way. That's not even close. The bigger, the bigger announcements will be way, way bigger. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, so there, there you go. There, so. Sarah, Sira says Skillshare uh, sponsors all my favorite YouTubers. You know, the funny thing about Skillshare, the hard part with Skillshare is they make you do Skillshare. So obviously I did it. Like I said, I explained in the last video I used for lighting, which I think you might notice in the new videos, the lighting's changed. It's, I warmed up the colors and I did it for videos. And ha- again, that was, I took classes. That's the one thing I got to give them props for, man. There's, there's no, like I've, I've talked to companies who are flat out, just, just say you like it or just show it you know, whatever. And I'm like, uh they were the first ones like, okay, here's the, you have to do it. <laughs> you have to not only do it, but you have to be able to tell your uh, people in your audience what it is you've liked when you were doing it. And I go, oh, that's pretty cool. I go, I got him credit for that. You know? Um, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was cool. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, You know what I'll do? I'll do something fun. If you guys hang out to the end of this show, I'll tell you guys something crazy. Uh, it'll be a tease at the end, but it'll be fun. Okay. Grumpy Mike guitar. What's up? Grumpy Mike. He says, I'm looking forward to watching the Joe nags interview after this evening, uh, feast tonight. I am excited. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but the interview, but the interview, like I said, very candid guys, very cool, uh, guys. Um, so you know, uh, uh, how I do those interviews is, um, this is what I'm, I'm telling, uh, cause I'm going to have Ola. Um, uh, uh, Strandberg on the show. Uh, I'm going to have a ton. I have a ton of people signed uh, signed up or whatever, ready to do the show. The way I do the shows, which I hope you guys enjoy, is um, I flat out tell them that I will sign, which I do, a ver uh, uh, an email non-disclosure agreement. What the non-disclosure agreement says is that I will not publish anything they say in the videos unless they approve it. So what happens in those videos is... I say, look, let's have a frank, honest conversation. Let's have some fun. Let's talk. And don't worry. Nothing that you say that could be, you know, problematic for you will be released. And what I've learned from that, (laughs) because I've done it a lot of times now, is that most of the time, 99% of what we talked about, they say, yeah, I'm fine with it. Because they would never have said it because of this thought that, like, what if I say this, right? Um, And... I find that once they see it and the care that I took with it in other words the idea of how it was presented to you guys in other words I, I'm not trying to like you know click bait it out to them or do something crazy to them or make them look bad or make them look uh, different than they actually look. I find that they they always say yes I've I've um, I can tell you right now uh, in the past of doing these interviews ironically the only things I've ever been asked to take out of of the interviews ever, um, from, from any of these guys I've ever interviewed is very consistently interesting that it's always the same thing they're all asking me to take out, which is anything that they feel might aggravate a bigger company <laughs> because they don't, they don't want to do an interview and then, ha- you know, uh, have a big company coming down on them for no reason. And the things that they say that they would want to, like, and so, you know, with, uh, and in fairness to Joe Nags and, and Peter Wolf, nothing. They asked me to review nothing. The video, the original video, um, was sent to them and the patrons. The patrons saw the original video. The patrons can tell you right here, uh, and the members saw it too. They can tell you right now that what was presented to you was originally the same version they were given out. Sometimes the version is slightly changed, but whatever's changed is always the same thing. They're like, "Hey, this we said this in the video, and we don't want to aggravate a bigger company with what we said." And it's never a, a secret piece of information. It's always like the way they said something. Like to give you a reference, it's like if I said. Uh, Dovey Doss, got millions of subscribers, right? Dovey Doss, uh, he's a friend, so I can use Dobie. Um, If I was to say, like, I don't know why Dovey's so popular. You know what I mean? They would say something like, I, okay, we want that removed, because that sounds like we're just slamming a bigger you know, channel, like a bigger company. That's usually what they'll remove, something in that vibe. But um, Susan says, yeah, the next video was truth. It was very, very, very good. In fact, so you know, he cursed in the video, and he asked me if I was going to take that out, and I said no, and he's like, Okay. <laughs> So I was like, all right, that was easy. Uh, and, uh, and then, so, you know, um, I asked if I could come to the, their shop in Maryland and they agreed and, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to pay for it. You know, I'm going to pay for my own, uh, airfare and hotel. Um, and, uh, and again, so you guys know what I asked for in response. I asked for them to, uh, accommodate me on a price of a guitar so I can order a guitar 'Cause we need something to videotape, uh, we'll do something like that. And then the plan will hopefully be if we uh because these are these are long projects that I do, uh, to do a limited run or something of like next like for you guys. So whatever I do maybe be an offer to you guys. But again, it won't I won't receive any financial benefit for that. It would just be something uh, you know. Like hey, you have the option to do this if you want to do it too. Something like that. I I don't know yet. I always have to. I'm telling you guys in raw form what the idea is. The idea is to have some fun, do something exciting, and show you guys what it was. That's basically it. Um. So uh, thank you, Joe. Our thank you, Grumpy Mike for for the comment about Joe and them. Uh, Jeff Parker says, was thinking we always praise seller that ship was something between strings and frets. As a live player, realized one of my guitars has three thousand miles this year just in gig bag is it really needed okay so what what jeff's talking about is when usually sellers do this but manufacturers do it too uh i think like uh, not next sir does this they they insert a piece of plastic in between the strings and the fretboard um companies sometimes will do it in paper they wrap something it's to stop the strings um in in my in my understanding of this in my my thought process on this is really what it's meant to do is if the front of a case or box gets an impact, that would, could cause the strings to smack the frets. Uh, those of you who have never had this. I had this happen done. I had this happen to me like 15, 20 years ago to an expensive base where it fell over, you know, <laughs> as sometimes they do, it fell over and it smacked something. And of course the string dented a fret. Um, and, um, I had to pull the fret and refret that fret. And, um, that, that is, I think, the thought process is that the strings will dent the frets. That's part of it. I, I don't think they're worried about like the strings scratching it. So to your point that, hey, you've had your guitar and you travel with it in a gig bag here's the major reason why I think they do it. One, I think anything that displays extra care in doing something is always good for the consumer in the end. In other words, it gives the consumer a different feeling, right? There's a feeling that you want when you buy something. Um, you want to feel that there was great care put into it. Some companies uh, really lean into this and some companies don't, but I think that's a feeling. You know, you know, you, Spending your money, <laughs> you want to feel like your value was returned, and sometimes you want more than that. But you definitely want to feel like the value was returned, and so I think that's one of the reasons they do it. The second thing that's different, though, than you carrying the gig bag and being shipped is, even if you're abusive to your guitar, you're gonna do it. You're gonna be. You're gonna put more care into it than someone who's just a you know. I don't want to pick on a driver, say like a driver, but you understand what I'm saying. Like the handlers and, you know, uh, that handle the boxes and stuff. I mean, they're, they're in a hurry. There's, you know, there's just a lot of reasons why something can go wrong. So I think it's just an extra step of protection to, to answer your question. Is it really needed? Well, that's the best part. It's probably not like we know there's more guitars shipped without that than with it. And that's not a huge potential, potential issue for damage, but I mean, if you know, I do it when I ship guitars. I tend to write, run a piece of paper or something in between the strings if I if I have it uh, because I think it just you know again one more extra th- step. Um, when I sh- uh, ship a oh that's a cool thing we can segue to something cool. When I ship a uh, a guitar of mine to somebody you know usually sold through Reverb or or whatever source, um, I try to pack the guitar well. That's important. But then I try to put a little... What I I actually have said this and I feel bad, but I tell my wife, I go, I a little packing theater in there. I want you to feel like I gave a crap when I shipped this to you. And I don't mean because I'm a YouTuber and you're like got a YouTuber thing. I'm just period. I I want you to feel like I cared about what I was shipping to you. And I find that there's two things I've learned. And this is the best success I can ever, ever tell you guys uh, that if you can do it, execute on it every time you'll be successful. When it comes to selling anything you sell of your personal nature as a business, I can care less, but as a personal nature, if you sell anything online to do two things, if you do these two things, you will always do better. Ship it as fast as humanly possible. That's tells people, like people get excited about that. and Everyone loves it. How many times have you guys bought something from a business or just a person from Montana where you bought it and then bing, that email comes in from Reverb. Your item has shipped and you know it just means the label was created, but you're like, that just means so much. Wow, he's already on it. They're already on it. She's already on it. Whatever. They're on it. One. Two, when they receive the instrument when you feel like it's overpacked, overboxed, over-boxed, when you feel like there was a lot uh, of time put into that, you you feel like, you know, first, there's probably not gonna be damage. You're looking through, you don't see any damage, you feel, feel confident. If there is damage, think about how you, how you react differently. You're like, well, I guess there was nothing they could have done, they did the most, right? You're not mad, you're not calling them up going, really? And so I, I find those two things uh, really do uh, pay a dividend. Uh, to the point. Um, I, I try to, what I try to do is if I list something on reverb, as soon as I list it, take the pictures, list it and everything, I like to put it in a box and get it all boxed up and ready to go. Luckily, uh, I, and so the only caveat to that would be like, if it was like two weeks later, it finally sold. I go, okay, that's been in a box for a while. Let me just check it again. But, um, but other than that, I like to, I just let it go. Um, I want to tell you guys real quick, since we're talking about shipping and used. there was a question earlier, uh, from from a viewer let me see if i can find the question that says uh it's from john who says uh john bratt says what is the safest place online to post guitars for selling currently right now i believe that is reverb i i believe in my experience me uh selling I, I would sell on reverb however uh sweetwater is starting to sell used gear i contacted sweetwater when they were selling used gear Let them know that I was interested in trying this experience and doing documentive, like documentary style thing with them. Uh, I don't remember if they said no or they didn't respond or maybe they said maybe. But anyways, they got back to me and they said, yes, we like this idea. So um, in, let me see if I'm right. I'm going to say something and then I go, hope I'm right. Uh, Yeah, no. Yes. In the links down below now. So whether I have timestamp it or not, it's already there. It says new KYG shop stuff for stuff when it's time for it to go. Um, that link is to my new Sweetwater store. I am going to be doing a video. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get some stuff. They didn't ask me to do stuff. They asked me to sell one thing. Okay. Sweetwater asked me to sell a thing on their platform and, uh, document the process and how it went and how my experience went. They just want me to do that experience. Um, I'm going to do that, but I'm actually going to do a bunch of things because I feel like that's even better. Right. Right. Who's to say one experience goes well. I'm so I'm going to be listing probably before the end of the weekend. If not by Monday, I'm going to list a bunch of stuff that's time for it to go. And I'll be listing it there so you guys can purchase it from there. And, uh, and then I'm going to be videotaping, obviously none of your personal information will be disclosed, but a videotaping the entire experience. And, you know, when it got there, did it stick there? And, uh, and then, uh, I'm going to be doing the, uh, I'm going to be using the option where I don't pay fees, uh, to, to use a Sweetwater card. Uh, and then I'm going to buy some stuff too. And I'll buy stuff on there as well. That's what I'm trying to say. So it'd be two videos, me selling and me buying. Uh, this is something I would imagine they're going to have other YouTubers do it as well. I don't know. Um, but, uh, that's the way I want to do it. I want to buy, I want to sell a bunch of stuff and maybe buy a couple things and then give you guys like a, this is how the experience went to see how it went, how it goes. Um, and, and it'd be interesting. So, um, I love stuff like that. It's something I probably would have done anyways. <laughs> but they were like, Hey, if you're interested in doing it, we, we want you to do it. And uh, the parameters are great. I just do whatever I want. Can't, can't hate that. Uh, and, uh, so like I said, so if you're interested, a lot of you guys always ask me like, when do you sell your stuff or how do you sell your stuff? And I put on reverb and stuff. So, so you guys will have the in, uh, it'll be there. Well, another thing, if you guys haven't bought a lot of stuff from me, you'll know, I don't really upcharge every stuff, uh, anything. I try to sell the stuff either below what the market is. I kind of try to make it, uh, I know that nine out of 10 times a viewer buys my stuff. So I try to kind of make it like, cool, you know, that they got this, you know what I mean? Not like a this was in a video, (laughs) it was kind of like, you know, if it's everyone's selling it used for 600 bucks, I try to go five fifty or something. I try to go a little less. I try to always on on the lower end. The only exceptions would be if it's something really unique and I'm, I'm just not too, I just can't do it. Like I can't give it away if I know I can sell it for a lot, lot more, but I always try to be very aggressive with my pricing. But I want you to be aware it's because of my YouTuber. (laughs) If I wasn't, if I wasn't, if it wasn't like I felt like a, like the audience is buying, i like everybody else i'd probably probably try to get as much as i can for it i don't think there's anything wrong with wrong with that you just sell it for the highest price try to buy it for the least price that's pretty much the market at at play but i try to i try to i try to be a little bit more aggressive with the stuff the pricing i sell because of that because so that being said you need to be on it and when i list stuff because it never sends a stick around because it's usually a good price um Pedally, what's up? It says, for the pedal jar, we shipped a pedal to Florida this week, so uh, recovery is on its hundred way. Yeah, nice. Nice. Uh, there's a new uh, uh, a pedal video uh, in November that's going to be exciting. Uh, I, while we we're talking, I just got the delivery notice that it's here, so I'm very excited about that. I can't tell you what it is. Obviously, it doesn't come out until uh, till November, but... I can tell you that's gonna be a big, it's gonna be a biggie. It's one of those, I wouldn't have said yes to it if it wasn't for the fact that I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's a biggie, I'm curious. Uh, Mike says, I replaced all of my electronics on my guitar. Now, when all of the switches are off, I still get some sound. Do you know what might be wrong? Uh, Well, yeah, what's probably happening, and my guess is obviously something, uh, besides, hey, something's not wired correctly. Uh, sounds like just vaguely from that description, something's not grounded out. Usually off is grounding out. You know what I mean? That's usually the best way to think about it. Something's grounding out or it's being disconnected from the circuit. So either way, you're having something that's not disconnected fully. So it's looped in incorrectly somewhere else or it's not being grounded out. My guess is it could be looped in somewhere. When you say switches are off, I mean, this is the problem with this question. It's a lot of the stuff like I just don't know when you're saying switches like... What are we talking about? Three switches? Are we talking about one switch? You said switches. Um, What I can tell you is, is that that, uh, make sure, a lot of times you kind of work it out from what you're doing, make sure you're using a diagram if you're new to electronics and you can find the diagram for whatever you're doing. Uh, The best thing to do is try to find the guitar that's closer to to your guitar that has what you have and then Google that diagram and pull it up. It'll help you immensely. I don't know if that's the best advice, but that's a good way to start. Fret Level Midnight says, are you ever going to buy a Maybach? N- no. I know you like them. I do. Uh, the quality seems to be on par. 5K plus Gibsons. So uh, abso- I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, and no, I have no, in- uh, no, no inkling to buy one. Uh, I told you I met those guys in Germany uh, at one of the events. And I told you guys the story. I was very interested in buying one, and they basically—I understand what they're saying. they were saying. They were—it was right—so, you know, obviously, uh, again, let's be very clear. Uh, I went to—I uh, mean, literally, I went to Germany right when uh, uh, they did the Play Authentic Don't Copy Our Guitars or We're Gonna Kill You uh, video— I don't, I don't want to <laughs> Gonna get in trouble. That's not what they said, by the way, for the record, they didn't say they were going to kill anybody. They were just saying like, don't, don't copy their guitars, whatever their ultimatum was that, you know, play authentic. Um, so when I was there and I played the Maybach, I said, you know, Hey, I like this guitar a lot. This Les Paul, I had not bought my high end Les Paul that I have now. I said, look, I'd rather, I'd like to buy your guitar. Uh, so can I buy it? And they not only didn't want to, to have it on the channel, they didn't Want, they didn't want to buy it. I mean, they didn't want me to buy it. They were afraid. They flat out told me right now in this climate, we're afraid to send this guitar to the U S and have, uh, Gibson, uh, you know, have a backlash. And let's be very clear. They knew that if I do a video, that video could get, I mean, 10,000 views. It could get hundred thousand views, 200,000 views. Uh, either way it's on somebody's radar and it's going to be on Gibson's radar. And, um, so they didn't want that. So I have to respect that. Uh, Does that stop me from buying one now? No, but, you know, it's just, it's not on my radar, is basically what I'm saying. But all of you, I I can tell you, I've played a bunch of the Maybach guitars. All the ones I played were very, like, Level Midnight, I agree with you 100% up there. I would gladly play a Maybach Uh, Strat Copy, Relic Strat, I would play a Maybach Uh, Gibson Les Paul style guitar, I would absolutely do that, Uh, you know. Uh, but at the time they weren't interested in, and, um, because they weren't interested, I have no contact. They, you know, it's not like they're like one day soon. I mean, I, they didn't, they didn't have any reason to work with me and they didn't give me information. I wouldn't know how to get a hold of any of those guys. So the only way I can buy one is like everybody else. I could go on reverb and find one and buy one. Maybe I'd do it, but I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I kind of feel weird, uh, feel weird, meaning, uh, buying it. And if I did a video and it caused them grief, you never, you never know. Super League 100 says, doesn't seem to bother Takai and Edwards. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're exaggerating, you know, maybe the situation or, but more importantly, I think, look, no one wants a cease and desist letter (laughs) from a billion dollar company. That's just, let's be very clear. I mean, if you're a, uh, you know, those of you watching right now, if you have a small business, you understand, no, no small business wants a cease and desist letter you know it's it's very expensive to answer a letter you don't want to you don't want to not hire an attorney to send your response and you don't want to pay for an attorney to send your response so i mean it's it's a reason there's a reason why big companies can really push down a small company without even you know without any effort at all so that's basically what's happening so brian says it's like the irs knocking the door yeah, it's kind of like that. It's the same feeling, at least. It's that, hey, you know, we don't like this, and uh, you got to stop. And so, uh, Fright Level Moon Knight says, Maybach is not infringing on Gibson's copyright in the EU or Asia, but they are in the U.S. Uh, yes, I think that was kind of their... their t- That's what I got from it, was kind of like, we... You know, if you were here, we would be cool. And but we're not sending it to the USA, so some YouTuber can flat out say, "Look, they're not stupid either." My box, you know, I've said a lot of things that put Gibson on the flare list of crazy, right? (laughs) (laughs) I've, you know, especially on this channel, you know, you say things that get them all fired up. So the last thing they want me to do is getting Gibson all fired up at them. I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. And especially since you can understand they can't control what I say. So, you know, it's not just there. I'm obviously not afraid that I'll be like, my box really good. It'll be like, you know, what if I title the video, you know, get what Gibson's charging is a crime. And this is proof. (laughs) and then it goes viral and you know Gibson you know i'm not saying anything I'm not saying because I don't know what would happen but i'm giving you a scenario in which it could be problematic for everybody you don't want Gibson all fired up going okay push those guys you know squash that so who knows uh, there you go that's that's what happened uh, there so to answer your question no it's not on my radar for that reason uh Jeff with one f says did you get the PRS shirt I sent you. I absolutely did. I almost wore it today, so you know. Uh Jeff had sent me the funniest damn t-shirt ever. <laughs> I mean, ever. Uh I don't I did I I I haven't worn I feel bad. Last week and this week I don't think I did either last week. I haven't worn any of the shirts you guys have been sending me for the shirt swap thing. Um it's just poor planning on my part, Jeff. So you know, you were on the radar. I was like, that was the shirt I was gonna wear today, and um instead I decided to have lunch with my wife and, <laughs> and get my truck washed is what I did. Um, uh, so, um, I did that instead and I did that cause I had a uh, delivery today, uh, a cool thing to get delivered and I need to go pick it up. And I was like, okay, let's go do that. Get the truck washed and go have lunch. And then when I came back, it was like, okay, I got to get everything ready. So I didn't, I didn't have the shirt, but I will wear the shirt. I promise next Friday. Cause you guys will get a kick out of it. Um, Jeff, what I will warn you about, this is why it's funny. I showed the shirt to all my friends and half of them want to buy that shirt. So if you do have a way for somebody to order that shirt from you or do something like that, I'm sure the audience is going to have the same reaction. What I, I don't want to give away the thing, but it's a funny shirt about PRS. It's funny. It's in good taste. It's not mean. It's just funny. <laughs> it's a funny shirt. In fact, I almost want to send one to PRS, not to Paul. I don't know Paul, but uh, like I said, I've met him. But I, like I've, I said a million times, I could probably walk into him right now. He wouldn't know who I am, even though I've interviewed him three or four times and talked to him three or four times. Uh, that all being said, I would listen to some my friends at PRS. They would, they would crack up. Uh, Red Eye Bloom says, I'm thinking about putting solderless EMGs in my Ibanez Geo base and refinishing it. I'm not trying to increase resale value because you won't. So that's why you're not doing that. Uh, Just looking to make it how I want. Am I crazy? You're not crazy, man. Look, there are, this is not the stock market. This is not the housing market. It's not about good and bad investments all the time. Okay. It's about exactly that. The joy of improving a geo base and making it play great. You, uh, as long as you understand what you're doing, I don't see any problem with that. People have opinions about whether you should or shouldn't mod up a guitar. Here's what my only concern is do you know what happens when you do that and you don't get any value for that if you upgrade a geo base and put expensive pickups in it refinish it you are losing value not gaining value in the instrument nothing wrong with that as long as you know that right i just don't want you to ever get at the end and you go one day you go to sell it and you're like i mean it's not even as worth as much as a geo without those things Custom refinishing or refinishing always devalues instruments. Very rarely any instrument, even cheap or expensive, very rarely does it increase the value. Rarely. Pickups, same thing. It's a wash. Okay. It's like you're just giving away that money. So uh, I, I say do it. Uh, I, I always remind everybody when you mod anything mod do do it. That's the whole premise behind the sharp max Do as many of the mods as non-marring as possible What I mean by that is so you don't have to drill new holes You don't have to do new things and keep the original parts So you can put it all back because again keep those parts. What's great about putting amgs in a bass It'll sound great. It'll play great one day if you outgrow the bass Then you take those pickups out You put the originals back and you can put those pickups in another instrument They still sound as good and it's just as valuable and If you don't and you keep the bass forever, like I said, no harm, no foul. You have a great bass and you'll enjoy it the rest of your life. That's the answer. At least that's my answer. The Juggernaut says, hey, Phil, what are your thoughts on the series parallel single coils? Sure. I love series. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a guitar with this feature? I do. And do you use series mode? I do. Uh, I have a few guitars with this uh, modification. Uh, my uh, Somnium guitar has that modification as well. Uh, so the answer your question, I'm not a... Uh, I like both. I like Series more. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. They're all off. That's as close as I'm getting. Uh, howdy, Phil. My, my San Dimas stock JB59 set. And unique Charvel wiring sounds strange. The bridge sounds like a neck pickup, no bite. Any idea why? Sure. Uh well, first of all, uh we got to make sure did you verify that it is it, that it is wired the way you think it is? Just because the switch is telling you it's the bridge position, you need to actually confirm that by testing it. One of the things you can do, of course, is just take a small metal object, something light and tap on the slugs so, when you're in the you know, bridge, tap on that slug. When you go to the neck, tap on the slug. Make sure that it's actually selecting the pickups you think, because it might not be. I seem so obvious to say, but sometimes, you know, hey, we're all... Sometimes we're like, we just trust the world. And the world sometimes disappoints, and sometimes <laughs> that Charvel wiring is not what it's saying it is. Uh, so, that's one thing that can happen. The other thing that can happen is uh, you could have the uh, pickup... Uh, the potentiometer could be junk. I mean, it's all, you know, again... W- I I don't know. It says that you're saying it's stock. So I'm assuming that no one's messed with it. So I don't think anybody would have took anything else. Um, One of the things that one of the reasons also your uh JB might not have any bite is it might be too far away from the strings. It would have to be pretty far away because the JB is like 17k. It's a it's a it's a monster. 14k, something like that. It's it's a monster pickup. So, it doesn't have to be close to the strings. It's going to pretty much that magnetic field's pretty powerful because again, it has a lot uh, a lot of winds on it and the magnets are pretty powerful on top of that. So, uh so I don't see that as a problem, but again, it could be pretty far away. That could be a problem too. Um, Another problem can be that you have a defective or an issue with your your tone control. I don't know. You're saying Sandima, so sometimes no tone control is there. Sometimes tone control is there, depending on the model. If you have a tone control, this is a problem I've experienced in the past where it's not fully disconnected out of the circuit. So whether you realize it or not, even though if your knob's all the way forward, your tone control is kind of, it's at, 10 or 20% mode. In other words, you have a little bit of the circuit or a little bit of the signal backed off in the tone control. So those are things I would take it to do. Believe it or not, one of the fixes for that sometimes is silly is sometimes you deoxid or you clean out that tone control because that's what's happening. It's like kind of stopping. It's not going, it's not going to the point where it's just, it's almost like true, true bypass. There's, Bypass completely, um, which is why Fender likes the no-load pot now for tone controls because it really kind of lets you know that it's off, it's out of the circuit. Um, those are all ideas that are pretty easy to do, uh, and check. I'm really curious, but I really kind of like, it sounds to me like you're probably on your neck pickup and don't realize it as silly as that sounds. Um, the other thing that can happen too, is the switch could be bad. And if the switch is bad, you're never fully on the bridge. You might be into like bridge, bridge, neck and neck. Like it might not be actually disengaging the way it is, uh, the way you want it to be. So I would check everything. First simple thing is just go through the electronics and look at them, clean them, make sure they're clean and then check everything, uh, whether you use a multimeter or like I said, just use the slugs and tap on them. Either way will give you an idea. Just make sure your volume on your amp's really low when you tap on them, and make sure it's also in clean channel, like so you don't want the distortion going. Uh, Damien says, sharp frets on my new Jag. Uh, I had a tech, work on them twice. The ends look nice and don't sprout, but still hurt. Could they be too tall? Or high? Tall, tall frets are definitely a factor for this. Or is it in my tech not working well? Next steps. Think. Okay. So, uh, you know, you have a Fender. I'm assuming it's Fender Jag because you're just saying a new Jag Fender uh, Jaguar. You're saying new. I'm assuming new, new model, not new to you. Like it's a used model. I don't know what series you have because they do, they do use different fret wire. For instance, the USA ones are now using the vintage tall frets and they're not super tall, but they're tall. And in, in what I always kind of focus on is when I like tall frets and tall frets feel like speed bumps when, <laughs> when you go down, well, even if they're polished really well, they can feel like speed bumps because there's such a, a dr- dramatic you know, lift over the fretboard. So this could be the problem you're having. Absolutely, right? Uh you're feeling that. And of course, if they're not perfectly rounded, you're feeling something uh that's not sharp, but it's rubbing against your hand and it gets raw because <laughs> you're playing, right? It's no different than anything else. So um that's uh that's one thing I would think of uh, as is, is that you that could be a problem, but also they do need to be polished and rounded over very nicely. And just because your frets don't have sprout doesn't mean that you don't have a problem. For instance, there are different ways. If you watch all the videos I've done over the years, you see there's different ways to round a fret. Uh, there's uh, there's they're rounded. They're either uh, what is this? I'm trying to think. Why can't I think of the word? Uh, spherical, I think I want to say right. Frets. Then there's there's the there's they're they're tapered at an angle. Some are rounded, right? I like to call them uh, uh, you know bearing frets. I think I'm trying to think somebody was just telling me what I called them. And I was laughing the other day going, do I call them that? Uh, like ball bearing frets. Cause they remind me of ball bearings. My point is, uh, that it's not just having the frets treated and rounded or, or make sure the sprouts corrected. You may have to change the way that they feel and taper, but keep in mind some of the ways to fix that. Um, some of the ways to fix that do create problems with the high string kind of coming off the edge. So, uh, that's all things I would think about. And my gut instinct of what you're telling me is, is that the problem probably isn't that they're not polished at all. They're just not, again, they're, they're protruding over the fretboard. They're protruding too far to the side of the fretboard, and you're feeling that. And you have to seriously look at if you want to taper those off at an angle. And that's what I would recommend, but you got to make sure you're, you have enough string. You have a distance between the, the high E string and the fretboard, the end of, edge of the fretboard. That is very important. McDowell says, looking for a Nitro 335 with a proper ears, body, carve, traditional-ish specs. Any reason for such a gap in the 335-style shallow market? Copyright, thanks. Uh, no. I think the biggest problem with... The 335 and hollow bodies in general is they're just not a huge market, you know, uh, comparative speaking. I mean, it's not hard to figure out when I always talk about this, when it talks about hollow bodies and semi hollow bodies, walking into a store, it's like, it's like walking in a music store, guitar shop is like walking into a record store where the, Rock metal DJ rap section is huge the jazz section is very tiny the blues section is very very tiny you know um and that's just how that works and the folk section is the tiniest usually. And you go in a music store and it works the same way, right? You're going to see a lot of the acoustic guitars, a lot of the electric guitars, and then the hollow body guitars are as much smaller uh, sh- uh, sample rate. So, or sample. So the same thing with you. The reason you're having trouble is because there's just not a lot. You have to look a lot harder and you have to be out on on top and, and looking around for it. So it's not just so much as a copyright or anything like that. It's just the demand. They're not going to make as many style guitars. or many. They're not going to do as many of these guitars so you're going to see less versions of them because there's not a whole lot of, it's not a deep market to dive into. Also, it's expensive to make. They cannot just pump out hollow bodies as cheaply as they can solid body guitars. I mean, that's the whole purpose of a solid body. Remember, the, the entire design of a solid body guitar was to cut the price down. It was actually the most of the purpose. It was kind of like, do we really need to go through all this work? Is the sound really just coming from a pickup? Maybe we should make a solid body guitar. That's a great, so if you read the history of solid body guitars, if you read the history of, of Gibson, if you read the history of Fender, it starts basically as simple as that. Can we bypass all this hard work and just make this thing cheap? And ergo, uh, electric guitars are cheap to make versus hollow bodies, and the market is smaller. So you have a lot of uh, things against the hollow body market. So that being said, you just got to keep looking and look out there and uh, or join some forums that are uh, devoted to hollow bodies. Because people get really into their guitars and they're gonna have a lot of resources for you because they're they're watching it every day. Sprinkles Hour says for the like Zappa-ish tone. Okay. Uh will it be better? JHS Crayon or Hudson Broadcast uh, Broadcast? Welcome any suggestions. I, I like the JHS Crayon. Uh that would be my suggestion. <laughs> okay. Uh Pablo says, Hey Phil, do you have any experience comments on the SD1? four pounder SSL fours, uh, looking to put them in my sterling cutlass. Um, okay. So I think you mean SD one, I see it quarter, quarter pounder. I think it's quarter pounder. Ah, SD quarter pounder. I see. It's all running together. Now the quarter pounders SSL fours looking f- to put them in my sterling Cutlass. Um, I like the SSL, uh, fours. I, uh, I like those pickups for my Seamer Duncan. I'm Seamer Duncan. The thing, one of the pickups I love that they do is the quarter pounders go that route. <laughs> to me, it's not so much that they're better pickups. It's just, if I'm going for something from Seymour Duncan, that's cool and unique or something that has a, t- a tone that I just love, it's the quarter pounders. That's where I would kind of look at that. Okay. Meester says, happy Friday, Phil and friends, Evertune, all the best. The Evertune video, yeah, it was funny. No, no, no movement on that at all on my end, on getting that done sadly enough. Uh, he also says, I hope your wife will join you in a video sometime. Uh, my wife, you know, I told you she was willing to do it off camera and maybe, you know, help me with some stuff and it was going to work out this week and then it didn't. Uh, he says, my wife, my wife is also supportive of my love of guitar to the point, of course, enjoy your weekend (laughs) to a point. (laughs) He says, uh, enjoy your weekend. Oh, and everyone else, please enjoy their weekend too. Um, Yes. Well, remember, like now, think about this. When I'm doing these videos, my wife's usually working. She's usually doing stuff, uh, handling Patreon stuff. There's, that, that's a big part of what she does. The patron, the patron group is pretty big. It's a, it, it, it probably doesn't seem like it, but it's like its own animal. <laughs> it's a thing. Between them and the members, there's a lot of things going on. Um, and so she's handling a lot of stuff. Right now, what she's handling on is, I told her uh, this morning uh, that, um, that this holiday season, I would really like to have Dickie's Know Your Gear shirts. And this is a very, very hard process. As you guys know, I only wear the Dickie's Know Your Gear shirts. That's ones I like. They're very expensive. They're, the way I have them made, um, I, we made a run for the patrons, uh, a, a while back. And, um, I think I've talked about this or maybe I talked about the patrons and I never told you guys about it. But when it comes to the Dickey shirts, I, I, I have I like my Dickies work shirts when I work on guitars, when I do stuff. But I'm very particular. It has to be the Dickies brand. It has to be black um or gray. I do both. It the logo and the reason is is because the reason it has to be Dickies, it's the material. I always stain my shirts when I'm working on guitars. There's always, I'm always getting like, you know, uh, either fretboard conditioner or some kind of oils or some finish on there. And I feel like I always get these clean. These shirts always get clean. I wash them a lot and they fit, you know, cause shirts fade and stuff. These take a beating, but also the logo um, not only has to be stitched because I don't like it cause I wash it so much that if they do the printed thing on there, it comes off. So it has to be stitched, but also the logo has to be stitched in silver. Uh, silver thread, and the reason is is because I want it to look like it normally does. It's white, like you know, on this shirt, it's got a white, it's fans, but it's white logo. Um, but I don't. I had an experience once where s- something stained the white, and it, and it looked like you know, obviously look, like it got stained and the silver seems to hide stuff. So it's all about like, I want this work shirt to be the way I want it. So that's the way I have them. So I refused to ever do those shirts unless they were exactly what I had. And we had done things where we had told patrons they could order them. And my wife, she has a, she has a, I don't want to say a lady. That seems so weird. She has some ladies. That's how, so, you know, that's how she tells me these ladies do this. Like they're seamstress like out of a house. I think she goes to a house and they do the work and they do the shirts. So, uh, this year, November, December, I asked my wife to say, screw it. Let's do a limited run of them. And, uh, and, uh, I told her all the sizes I want, how many I wanted in, and I would let you guys know they're available and, sh- you know, she'll have to ship them and stuff. So right now I'm sure that's what she's working on. Something to that effect. So stuff like that, when I come up with these brain schemes of what I wanted to, you know, what I want her to do, she unfortunately has to es- execute on those most of the time. Uh, unplayed video games says any decent, low latency wireless headphone for Helix? Uh, i don't know you know i only have uh i bought all Everybody in the family has a bose wireless headphone uh when we couldn't go on vacations during covid uh i decided i'd buy every so i bought my daughter my son and my wife a bose headphones they were very expensive <laughs> uh especially at one time buying all three and it was like because they were you know listening to me play guitar all day you know normally they get out of the house they were trapped so i did that um i got to listen to my wife's so they sounded pretty good i don't i don't use them um Roland, which is not Roland, it's some other company, but Roland Boss, when I was at Sweetwater made me a set with my logos on it. I still have not tried them because I don't use, I told you, I'm not a big headphone person. I don't use them very often. So unfortunately, I don't know the answer there, but I like answering this, telling you, I don't know, because viewers will be able to tell you like, yeah, this is what I use. This is what I use. Remember, there's a lot of people here that use headphones. I would say on average Friday audience, I would say 30%, probably 30, 40% is, um, is headphones. Um, you know, using headphones, just talking to you guys, you guys, a lot of you guys use headphones. I don't. Uh, it's one of the benefits of making a living with the guitar. Um, there's no, there's no, like, so you guys know there's no, like, can you please turn it down? We're trying to watch TV. Uh, no, there's none of that in my house. It's always, uh, I I make, money with guitars. And I've made money for guitars for so many years now that my whole family is just kind of conditioned for like whatever dad's doing, it's money wise. And I know it's part of my joy too. And I get to do that. I get to lean into it. I try not to take advantage. I try not to like, this isn't really for work. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but so, you know, but so, you know, for the, for, I feel like I hear my wife's, uh, here my wife saying this right now. Even when I tell her, I go, I'm sorry. I was actually goofing off for like an hour. Um, she'll tell me, she goes, you're not goofing off. She's like, I know you, it's always research or something. She's like, or it's fine. You know, putting a, you know, you know, finishing the skill set or something. So, but, so I don't have to use headphones what I'm trying to say. So I very rarely use them. Uh, usually if I'm traveling, I've I've done videos where I talk about when I'm traveling to that or other things. Um, Alvaro says, uh, love my PRS 2 Mira just as much as you. Love your core. Uh, I still have the stock pickups, but looking to upgrade, what would you knee jerk upgrade be? What would my knee jerk? You know what pickups I, I actually tried recently, I really, really liked is the Mules by Bare Knuckle. That's what's in that nags. It, there. <laughs> Holy crap, those are good. Um, like really good. <laughs> you know, when you get a guitar, Like you know, like the nags. You get a guitar, and all of a sudden, you're like, "Man, this thing sounds really good." And then you pull all these other guitars, and especially here, you know, there's a lot of guitars here. There's a lot of exotic, affordable, expensive, unique, mass you know, mass produced. I'm trying to say, like, I have it all covered. There's there's something here. It's like a small music store in the in the in the studio, and um, when you play guitar and you go, "Man, this sounds really good." You know you try to fixate whats what's on that, and in this case it was those mules which are uh which are uh bare knuckles, i guess version of the fifty nines and uh, a PAF. I should say PAF. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely love them. Um, Now, here's why I'm saying that. Because they're a little on the bright side, just a little bit. And I think with your guitar, I think that would actually be really well. So it's not, I'm not just saying that because I got a guitar with mules and I'm like, oh, I like my mules, but I like them. And one of the things I like about them, I think would really benefit your guitar. So, so you know, uh, uh, the behind me right now, I'm pointing at the, the Nags, which has mules and then over to the, I guess it's the left or right of that guitar, depending on how you're looking at it. There's a Paul Reed Smith S2 594. I actually like that guitar. It's all stock, but I'm going to be putting probably mules in that because that guitar sounds great. But a lot of you will tell you, a lot of you guys say the same thing uh, about S2 pickups. They're a little on the dark side and I think the mules will be a little brighter. Um, So I'm thinking about putting mules in there. And <laughs> that guitar. So I'm just telling you the same thing I'm thinking about doing. Uh John said, what are the Northern Lights comparable to? That's the pickups sidewind. wind. Uh, like I said, those are like a PAF, just a not and not hotter more push Uh, this is the tricky part see we're so conditioned to talk about like pickups output like i always say it and i always feel bad when i say like it pushes the amp a little harder that's not really true when i say pushes like when i say pushes the amp harder i don't mean like it makes the amp break up i mean like if i hit a note that note punches out at you like this like it snaps at you it's a very it's a very uh, has more um mid highs in it so it's so it's not just so bright it actually has a mid a higher mid frequency uh vim 69 it's funny that's the one thing that's weird when you make something there was like hey what what, what, how do you feel like the mules Vim, vim 69 says how do you like the mules compared to the black socks i like them both i like them obviously i have more black socks in my pickups than mules but that doesn't mean anything to me i i would never i would never want any like think about it this way. I'm I'm not nothing in me wants one flavor of ice cream. Like I want all the 31 flavors, right? Same thing with pickups and guitars. I want more flavors than just one. So there's things I like about both. By the way, one of the big announcements coming is about pickups, but that's not the big announcement. <laughs> so uh, the um, let's see. Okay. um yeah kevin says he, he likes his i sent kevin the black stocks, uh remember he was the one i picked as a winner that day and sent it that way well it's basically in a show Susan says i'm teasing you guys now so let me tell you guys what's going on and this is a real uh tease so um so there's a couple things obviously you guys know i was in california last week um, and before I start this, I got to do the last super chat, which is Richard. Richard says, Hey Phil, do you often, do you often know play really? Oh, do you often play? I'm just gonna say do you often play really loud when testing amps or do you use ear protection? Um, I don't play loud enough to need air protection. I have ear filters and I use them. Like if I'm around a drummer, I have ear filters in a second. If I'm around a loud amplifier or somebody playing loud, I have ear filters. If I go not only concerts, but if I go to a, a anywhere loud at all. Like it it doesn't even have to be a music. It just could be, you know, like I go to a factory, I wear ear ear filters. Um, uh, I say ear filters, not earplugs, because I use ear filters. Like usually, you know, ear filters are different. They, I have two kinds. I think one is 10 decibels and one's 15 decibels. So it drops it by 10 decibels and drops by 15 decibels. And I like them because you hear, they don't sound all muffly. You hear clear. It just cuts down, you know, the the amount of decibels that are coming in your ears. Um, But playing in the house, I mean, Right when I film the video, I might juice the amp up if that's part of the part of the thing for the video but Most of the time i'm not playing so loud that I have to worry about it and i'm not playing long enough to worry about it So it's pretty safe. I pretty I play it pretty safe with my ears I like said i've been very lucky As someone who's had to stand next to tanks when they're firing and someone who's been to concerts and playing music my whole life You'd think my ears would be damaged, but i've wore hearing hearing protection so much That I was i've been very fortunate um uh, and then Jeff just wanted to thank me for helping with finding answers to his replacement neck. You're welcome, Jeff. Thank you. So that being said, uh, what was the teaser thing? So as you guys know, I was in, I was in, uh, California last week. One of the things I can tease and I guess I was allowed to tell you was I was able, one of the things I did, which was, which I was able to go to bad cat, uh, John Thompson, who was bad cat. I was able to go down there and try all the three new bad cat prototypes and, uh, play them. Um, amazing. <laughs> Just, this is going to be game-changing for the industry. Uh, I, I Like, talk about overhyping something, man. I feel horrible saying this to you guys, but I'm telling you what I, I texted him when I got back home. I said, I feel like the person, I feel like I, I know what it feels like to see Star Wars before it hit the theaters, and tell everybody, like, man, when you see what they're doing, you're going to be blown away. So, that's exciting. That's not why I was in California. Since I was in California, I went and saw him because he's a good friend, and I got to see uh, the new Amp Fires. By the way, um, he sent one home with me. Uh, I was actually with a friend who tried to buy one, but they don't have any. Um, and he told me flat out that he, uh, you know, John said he only had two and that, that were built, that they're ramping up for production right now. And that one went to Rhett Shaw and one went to me. Um, I guess Rhett was at the shop too. Um, the, oh, a couple weeks before or something, a week before. So I'll be doing the video. He told me I don't have to wait to the release, the official release. This isn't like a marketing thing. He's like, you know, you don't have to do that. Just whenever you feel like sharing it. So I'm working on it right now. That's exciting. I thought I share that with you. New look. The amps look different. The amps are different. This is a totally different amp. This isn't like the Cub. So you know what I'm showing. What I'm going to be showing you. He does make the Cub still, but it's not going to be like a, um, uh. You know, hey, it's the Cub 2.0. This is a totally different amp. That being said, the thing I can tell you is uh, I'm, I've been telling you guys about a partnership agreement that I signed. A partnership with agreement. I have a new company, another company. I should say another because at this point too many companies um uh this what we're gonna be announcing in november which is what i'm teasing you guys about which is why i was in california is we're doing something that's not i don't want to do anything where i'm like hey just like with the pickups i don't want to do anything where it's like what's your favorite pickup my pickup what's your favorite guitar my guitar right i don't want to have a product line to sell you guys it's if i did i would have done an online course or something. Cause that's where all the money's at. You know, if I would have done online courses, 1995 on sale for $9, nothing wrong with that. My friends all do it on YouTube and I love them all dearly. And I've even promoted for them to do that stuff, but that's not what I want to do. I want to have these conversations. That's why, why I have patrons and members back the live show, um, look, it's a no brainer, 50,000 views on average for a live show. And then more than that on a streaming on a podcast, you don't, the companies do come and say, Hey, we'd like to sponsor this. And I'm like, no, I love that the audience does it. There's no, like, I can talk freely here. It's my safe space to talk freely with you guys. Uh, like I don't have to worry about offending companies because you know, there's, they're not involved and not that I'm worried about it when I'm doing their videos, but you know, I just feel like it's just a little bit more. Okay. That all being said, um, there's been this question doing YouTube, and this is why I want to tell you guys. There's this question that's been bothering me. This has been really bothering me on YouTube, and COVID made it worse. And I've been talking to a lot of YouTubers, and you've seen a lot of YouTube channels say things like, oh, I, I've been stopping doing YouTube. It's been emotionally breaking me down. There's all these things that have been you know, breaking me down. And like you guys, I felt like this was uplifting. So what a lot of channels told you which I understand that, hey, they were feeling depression, they were feeling some pain to this. I was feeling that too, but from the live show, from this Friday show, I was feeling your energy back. You guys, you carried me through uh, COVID. I feel horrible whenever I get any emails or comments about you guys saying it was, you know, the show made it great for me because I feel like, man, I should deserve no credit. You did the opposite. You guys kept me going. That all being said, when I do a video, the thing that's been bugging me, driving me crazy is when I do a video on a cheap guitar... All I get told is it's slave labor. All I get told is, is this horrible. All I get told is in the comments, the comment sections, let's say 60, 40, 60% of the comments are this is horrible. When I do an expensive guitar, I get told this is all greed. This is all evil. Guitars don't know how to spend. And again, I'm not saying the, the trolls. I'm not talking about trolls. I don't care about trolls. I'm talking about the senses of the community here. What does the community feel? And somewhere in this, what I've kind of learned, and this is what I learned from doing whether it's a repair video. What I learned from doing reviews is that although you will say, oh, I enjoyed that review, or hey, it was helpful, what I've learned about reviews is they will absolutely change the way a company thinks and works. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have seen, I have not only done them, but I've seen other channels do them too. I have seen where not just calling somebody to the mat and calling them out for their bad stuff, just talking about things, showing things has changed the way a company looks at something, at the way a company adjusts something, at a thought that that company has to the point where I was like, okay, so here's what I know. I know that you can buy a $7,000 guitar made in the United States and that Essentially, that guitar is extremely expensive, and you're being told that these expensive guitars can't be done cheaper unless they go overseas, and if they go overseas, then the people aren't treated right. And I kind of feel like at some time I was feeling this frustration making content like, so... Where is the where is the there's got to be something else between between these two pieces, these two these two ideas, this idea that it's expensive and it's only for the rich people and it's affordable. But it's of course, it's it's taking advantage of the working person. And so um, through just the irony of covid and meeting friends online, we talked about we I met some friends or have some friends. And we all have a particular skill set. And we came together and we said, what if we do something that is disruptive to the industry? I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I'm just giving you the teaser because you guys waited to the end. The idea is as simple as that. What if we did something that we're told can't be done in the industry, not to make it a groundbreaking product, not to make a lot of money on it, not to sell it to you guys. So at every video, I got to sell you something, but just to show it can be done so that, Almost like referencing or a pair video that I've done in the past, or almost like referencing a review video in the past. When somebody says something, I can say, "Oh yeah." Well, then how did we do it? So that's what's coming up. Uh, that's what's coming out. So it's a cool project, um, and it's a cool idea, and I'm excited to share it with you guys and. You'll see. I, I know that I know everyone's first reaction besides anything else will be how the hell do you get all the time to do all this besides what you're doing? And uh, I don't know the answer. And I just want to thank my children and my wife for being understanding uh, for the last few months. And on that note, that's the only tease you guys get. So then, unfortunately, nothing else till November. But as always, I want to thank you guys for hanging out to the end, hanging out with me, sharing guitar conversations with me. And as always, I will see you guys next Friday at 3 o'clock. Check out that Nags uh, interview, because like I said, it was really cool. Even if you're not into Nags, it's just nice to see what's in the mind of a guitar creator um, and a guitar builder. And as always, I want to thank you guys so much for your time. Till the next time, know your gear.